and then that kind of started off my parents fighting violently. Um, as a teenager, I was coming home from school and having to break up fights, and he would be drunk and my dad would be angry. Welcome to the Depression Files, where we talk about everything related to mental health. From depression and other mental illnesses, to medication, to suicide awareness and prevention, to our current mental health system, and of course, to the stigma that surrounds mental illnesses. We educate those who may know little about mental illnesses while giving hope to those who may be suffering. I'm your host, Al Levin, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. All right, welcome to the show, James Prescott. Hey, I am so glad that uh, we have finally connected. Yeah, it's great to be here. James, I'd love to start by just asking you to uh, tell us about yourself. Yeah, um, okay. Well, I'm James, and I'm a, a writer and an author, and um, do a bit of coaching um, for creative people. And um, yeah, I uh, live in London. Um, in the UK, which you can probably tell by my accent. Um, and yeah, I just, um, you know, I've struggled with, um, anxiety, uh, low moods, um, for a long time. Um, and I'm a highly sensitive person as well. Um, so, and all these things kind of, we'll talk about this, I suppose later, but a lot of this comes from who I am, but also from my background and my story as well. And, uh, obviously it has an influence on, on my life and what I do and I've just started a I'm just about to start a um a website uh Facebook group for anxious writers or anxious people uh, creative people who struggle with anxiety around around their creative stuff but also in life as well um so uh, that's just starting up um so awesome. yeah that's me awesome that sounds cool so you you have dealt with depression and anxiety is that right for quite some time, yeah. Um, I've never really, I've never been diagnosed with depression, um, but um, I'm epileptic, um, and so there's a form of depression which I think is linked to epilepsy, which is probably the kind of depression that I have. Um, and I've always been a highly sensitive person. I've always struggled with anxiety. Bit. I'm an introvert. Um, you know, um, used to be very, very shy. Um, and so, and I went through a big childhood trauma, which did a lot of damage to me. Um, so, um, I can, I mean, I can talk about that in more detail if you, if you want. Um, I mean, basically what I'll just go into it. it up until I was eight years old, we had a pretty decent family life. It was, you know, normal growing up family, right. happy families, whatever. Um, and you know, with me and my sister and my parents, my mum had an asthma attack. An asthma nearly, attack? Yeah, a very okay. serious one. Uh, it very nearly killed her. They thought it would kill her. Right. Uh, but instead it left her without her short-term memory. Okay. So she lost the use of her short-term memory. So was unable to work. And it changed the whole dimension of um, our family. It changed my life. That, that, was, the, you know, that was the big ch- turning point, really. Um, because it changed the whole dimension of how our family worked. Like, right, right. Dad, was, was your mom hospitalized at the time? Yeah, yeah, she was. For she was a long time? For, yeah, she was in for about a month. Okay. Um, um, I didn't think she'd make it when she first went in. but. Um, and you were eight years old and you have siblings? Yes, I have a younger sister, yeah. Okay. Um, and um, she was four at the time. Um, so, yeah, so it changed my parents' relationship. Um, my dad was having to bring us do all the emotional stuff on his own. He was having to, you know, provide for the whole family on his own. He was, you know, and there was a lot of strain on him because he got made redundant at the same time. So there was a lot of strain on our family. Suddenly. And re- made redundant is the same as laid off. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, right, that's our, right. That's the English term for. Well, yeah, being made redundant is when you, yeah, it's when your company basically lays you off and you get a, you get a payout and right. And a pay- believe yeah um so the family's going through a lot at this point your, your dad's yeah. laid off your mom's gone through this um yeah. asthma major asthma attack that's left her with no short-term memory so you mentioned to change the dynamics and your dad was you know having to figure things out in what other ways did it change the dynamics for you and and your sister 
Well, for me, I think for me now, looking back now, I, did, I didn't see a lot of this at the time because I was eight years old. But I think subconsciously I made some kind of decision that my job was to protect everybody. Mm. Uh, my job was to protect the family, to look after the family, to, you know, to make sure everyone was all right, you know, to um, be strong for everybody else, especially my sister. Pretty big role for an eight-year-old. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't, honestly, you don't realize you're doing this. It's a subconscious thing, right? Um, because I was an introvert, you know. Because I'm shy, I just sort of took on that role. Um, um, but my mum, this affected my mum more than anybody else because she, because she was highly independent before mm. this attack. Very intelligent, independent woman. Suddenly, she wasn't able to do things that she was normally able to do. Um, the rest of, I mean, she wasn't. She didn't suddenly become stupid. She just lost the ability to remember things in the short term. Can you give term, a, can you give an example or two about like I don't know if people understand just how debilitating the loss of short term memory can be. Well yeah, it was weird because she could remember she she was a French teacher and she could remember all of her French, for example. And she could remember who me and my sister were and all their relationships and all those emotions that came with that. But uh, say she was going to the shops, she'd go out to the shops and if she didn't have a list, she wouldn't know. She would, she'd forget why she was going to the shops, mm. like, you know, um, those kind of things. And it was re- to start with, it was really bad. To start with, she was, it was, it was like my dad would go into hospital to see her, and just pop off to see the doctor for ten minutes and come back, and she wouldn't have even known he'd been there in the first place. Um, that was how bad it was to start with. It got a lot better over time, but. Um, and that's got to be so tough psychologically uh, when you show up at a store and all of a sudden you're like, I don't even know what I was here to get. Yeah, like, and we had to go with, yeah, we had to do it basically help her out. You know, mm. me and my sister got used to helping her out with that. Um, and she found ways to deal with it as well. She got a diary and wrote everything down and stuff and um, a physical written diary rather than the ones we have now. Right. Um, um, and she had, basically that diary was her short term memory. She wrote everything down in there that she had to remember. Um, and she did get a lot better, uh, but she was never going to be this, get it back. She was never going to be able to work again. Um, and for her, that was horrible. Um, mm. And she ended up becoming an alcoholic, um, probably because she forgot she had a drink, to be honest, to start with. And then that kind of started off my parents fighting violently. Um, as a teenager, I was coming home from school and having to break up fights, and she would be drunk and my dad would be angry. Um, and you'd, and I, be, you'd be breaking up physical fights between your mom and yeah, dad. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Wow. Um, and, well, and I'm sure the alcohol, I would imagine, was a coping mechanism for her and, and probably yes, going through some depression, not being able to work. Oh, and, absolutely. She, she did yeah. go and see people. She went to AA and she, she did deal with it in the end. Um, but she, she had been to go and see psychologists and therapists and things about, um, about her condition, about trying to come to terms with it. And do you remember um, walking into physical fights and what that meant for you? Like the feeling of all of a sudden you're, you're between your folks. It got, well, it just became normal. Mm. This is the thing. It didn't shock me in the end. It was just, it wasn't every day, but it was at least two or three times a week, you know? Wow. Um, and it was just normal. And I, luckily I was quite tall. So I was able to push them apart. Right. You know, I was trying to just stop it. You know, I didn't always succeed mind. Um, suddenly, I, sometimes I got caught in the middle of it, you know. Um, and the thing was that I was getting psychologically bullied at the same time at school. Mm. Um, every completely, day, completely unrelated. Just at school, dealing with your own issues, your own bullying. Yeah, and it was awful. It was just it never stopped. Nothing ever got done about it because my parents were too busy fighting for fighting each other. So I'd have go through that at school and then come home to my parents fighting. So it was just like. And obviously that damages you. What the uh, uh, what the bullying uh, look like? Well, it was little. Th- it was it wasn't physical beating up. It was psychological stuff, and it was just little things like mm. like name calling or making fun of things that I didn't understand, or or taking my pencil case and throwing it over the room with and opening it and then throwing it over the room, throwing my clothes in the shower when we were doing uh, games right. and stuff. And it was, but it was just every single day. Yeah. Like and it was, you know, and they got away with it, and I, you know, I never got any justice into, for that in, in a sense, you know. And my parents just—it's not that they didn't care; it's just that they were so wrapped up in their own 
issues. I didn't even see what was going on. And actually, my dad has apologized to me since then. Like, he said, look, I, if I'd known what was going on, I would have done something. Mm. You know, but he just didn't know because they were just so wrapped up in their own issues. So this 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 was over like a 10-year period. And so that, that, and like, that this is from between 8 and 18. So this is kind of my formative years. Oh, you know? absolutely. So there's a huge amount of psychological damage for somebody who's already an introvert, who's already quite shy, and already has problems picking up social cues and is quite sensitive. To go through that as well was it was just hugely damaging. Um, and I only realized just how bad it had affected me in the last few years, actually, to be honest, mm. um, since I started processing it all. Because I went to... Um, I mean, actually, I need to add something in before I talk about what I did later. Um, my parents did break up in the end. When you were about a, how old? 18. Um, they, they they told me they were divorcing. and um, How'd that uh, make you feel? Were you surprised? I was relieved. Yeah. <laughs> I literally, I can't, I can't, I, I was so relieved. I was like, at last, you've been, you know, like you should have done this ages ago kind of thing, you mm. know. Um, and they did get a lot better after that. Um, they actually became friends again after that, which was really nice. Um, you know, eventually, once she dealt with the alcoholism, because she was able to deal with it then. Ah, and, right. and once she got over the alcoholism, then, then they became friends again, and it was all it was all much better, you know. Um, right. uh, but she she then after I finished university, she died. Uh, oh, she had another she had another asthma attack and died. So that was oh, another. I'm thing. So sorry. Um, and that was like 17 years ago now. So it's a long time ago. Um, so I had this 15 year period between when I was eight and 23 where all this stuff happened, you know? Um, and so, I mean, my, my response to it was to get counseling. I got, um, you know, I got prayer. I got a lot of support from people. How old were you when you started the counseling? About 25. Um, so a couple of years after the... Yeah, because I didn't want to acknowledge that I needed it for a while. Right. You know, and it ended up bottling itself up in anger. There was mm. a lot of... I became very, very angry. Um, and uh, it was control. It was beginning to control me. Well, you know? and I, I know you talked about not being formally diagnosed with depression, but I think we know depression and anxiety go hand in hand, right? And yeah. anger is very a very common symptom for men in particular who are going through depression. Mm. Yeah, see, I didn't know that. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's... So, I mean, I went to a counsellor for three years. That was... And I dealt with my grief, you know. Um, so that was a good thing, uh, going to the counsellor was, was beneficial. Really good, yeah. Uh, and over the years, I went to see... I went to uh, CB... Um, what's it called? CBT... Cognitive behavioral therapy, anyway. Uh, I did that as well, and I saw a few other counselors as well over the years. And I dealt with a lot of the symptoms, and obviously I grew up as well. So I just grew up generally and became an adult. But um, And you dealt with the symptoms. Did you ever dig down deep and uh, deal with the the root? This is the thing. I always knew there was something further deep down that I hadn't dealt with, but I couldn't get anyone to – I couldn't convince anyone to help me with it. Not even the therapist, the counselors you were seeing. Well, yeah, I see. I saw a lot of counselors, but I didn't see a therapist. Mm. Okay. And I thought I need to see a therapist, like a psychologist. Like I need to get to the roots of this stuff, you know. Um, but I couldn't afford it, and I couldn't get anyone to to give me any kind of free therapy or anything. And so, and or anyone to die, only, only doctor to kind of recommend it. So it was just impossible. So I didn't get didn't. I did so. This was all still inside of me, you know, um, and I was just bottling it up, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, what? So what happened was I had this, I had this experience about eighteen months ago. It's more actually, it's more like two years ago now. Goodness, um, I was in a home group with my church, and my church had been a really safe place for me. Um, and I, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but I was in a small group with some close friends, and this stuff just came out, and I was just pinned to my chair. And all this, all this frustration and bitterness and anger and hurt and stuff that I hadn't expressed just came out. Wow. It was like leaving my body almost while I was sitting there. Um, and it was a big release. And everyone said to me afterwards that that was like 
you were a different person after that. That was it was like something like a pressure valve had been released, you know. Um, and my housemate had said that they'd noticed this anger in me for a while and had been praying that this would come out. Mm. And I hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it for, for some reason. And so as a result of that, I decided to go and see a spiritual director who was also a trained therapist. So I was getting therapy and spiritual direction for the price of one, right. basically. Um, and I started to do my mindset coaching, um, life coaching kind of things to deal with uh, the negative mindsets that I trained myself into. Right. Um, and, to, and all this has been a revelation because I started to realize what was really going on. I started to realize that I, that when I, was, that when my, that I had blamed myself Mm. for what had happened with my parents when I was a teenager. Not, and I blamed myself for my mum's death. I, as in, I, well, I couldn't save her. It was my fault she died because I couldn't save her. You know, therefore I'm scum who doesn't deserve anything. So I trained myself into self-sabotage, basically. I literally trained my brain to sabotage anything good in my life. I was so good at it that I did it without even thinking about it. Everything, mm. anything good that happened, I found a, found a way to screw it up. Right. You know, if I got into a good job, I would screw it up so that I didn't get promoted. If I had a good opportunity come up, I would waste it. I would, you know, some for, for no reason. I would just start, or I would procrastinate, or I would screw up, screw up a relationship, or whatever. I would basically find a way to screw something up, and I would convince myself in my head that this was real. But actually, what now? I now I realise that I was just, it was just my brain kind of like doing what I trained it to do, which was to screw up anything good that happened. Um, and, and that was a, that was a big deal to, to, to realize that I was doing that. Oh, that's huge. And that, that takes a lot to unlearn, right? You had been doing it yeah. so long. The, the way the brain works, those connections are getting so strong, reinforced every time that you self-sabotage, which sounds like it was the norm. And then, yep. so how do you go about unlearning that and changing that well it's 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 a very intentional thing that you have to do and i'm still doing i'm still learning how to i'm still unlearning how to do it if you see what i mean you know because i you know there's a lot of blocks um and so i have what i'm learning i'm reading this book called um the big leap which is about raising the upper limit of what you're allowed to achieve and what you're allowed to have in your life so like saying instead of what the example they use when people win the lottery mm. they, they don't think that they deserve that kind of money or they don't know how to handle it so somehow they self-sabotage and lose all the money to bring them back to the level that they think they deserve to be because their brains aren't trained to comprehend that kind of success or achievement or having that kind of money right so we um the book talks about how we can retrain our brains to raise our expectations of what we're allowed to achieve of what of you know so i can earn this amount of money i can have this kind of job i can be successful in my job i can have a healthy relationship you know that's allowed i, I give myself permission to have those things and keep those things um and it's about retraining your brain to do that so i'm trying to retrain my brain to do that um and yeah i mean the other there were other negative effects as well in that I started to make life about. I started to make life about me. I started to make everything about me, because I didn't trust. Because basically, what happened to me meant I didn't trust anybody, literally anybody. And so I would basically push people away before they got a chance to hurt me. I would, and I would make everything about me because I didn't think anyone else cared about me. So I would try and make people care about me by making myself the center of attention. Well, by. Uh... I mean, given what you went through as a kid, that makes sense, right? I mean, like you mm. said, your parents weren't there to look out for you, which mm. wasn't because they didn't love you, but they were so wrapped up in, in their trauma and, and everything that was going mm. on. So you felt like, I would imagine you'd feel like even these loved ones, your parents aren't looking out for you. Why would anybody else? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the one person I trusted with my, I still trust is my sister. Oh, awesome. Um, so you guys are close. Yeah, we're very close. I mean, I, I mean, I've I've restored my relationship with my my dad as well. Great. Um, him and I are quite close now, but um, I had to forgive him, you know. Um, and he apologized as well, which was really good. 
he recognised that he recognises now that he all the mistakes that he made, you know, mm. um, and he wishes he could take it back, you know, he wishes he could change it, which is you know, which is that was really helpful for me. Um, I mean, we've never fought. I never fell out with my parents ever, you know, right. um, but I kind of buried my anger at them. I think a lot of the anger that I had after my mum passed away was 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 at her for abandoning me and uh, but also i was still angry at my dad for maybe i was angry at my dad for leaving my mum or leaving our home or whatever even though i thought it was the right thing um but there's a I mean, the brain does a lot of a lot of stuff yeah well and i think i think that forgiveness does an incredible amount for you right i've done a little bit of writing about that how important it is to forgive for your own sake right not even really for the sake of your dad, which I'm sure your dad appreciates you forgiving him, but it's so powerful for you to be able to forgive because yeah. then you can give up that resentment, that anger, right? It's really, really powerful. Yeah, exactly. And I went through a, one of the things I did as part of this process was this thing um, called Sozo, which is a, a type of prayer, which is all about forgiveness. Mm. So they spend an hour with you, talking to you, praying with you about, people you need to forgive and what you need to forgive them for. And then you forgive them and you say out loud, you've forgiven them and they pray with you. And it's, um, and I went through this and I didn't realize the impact it had had until about a week later when I was just telling my sister about it on a text message on WhatsApp. And, and I went, you know how you go to the place in your brain where you, where that stuff is, mm. where a certain pain is. Yep. And I kind of went there because I was going to tell her about it and I realized it wasn't there anymore. It had all gone because I'd forgiven all these people. I'd forgiven myself. I'd forgiven my parents. I'd forgiven people that had bullied me. I'd forgiven, you know, other people um, that had hurt me. And so all I was left with after that was the routines and the habits and the rhythms that I'd trained myself into, um, which are a lot easier to deal with when you haven't got the pain that caused them still there so i you know i got rid of all the lack of forgiveness and the anger and all the pain that had kind of brought these things about and now i'm able to now i'm working on retraining my myself retraining my brain building new habits healthier habits you know i'm going to the gym more i'm doing a bit more meditation um and um i'm more i've got a mindset coach who i'm in constant contact with about things and talking about confidence and how to be confident and express that confidence which I kind of not allowed any oxygen to live mm. um, and which had kind of become an expression of my inner child because it had become like that had become my ego you know um, like I, I've had book I have book, books published and had a blog and still I still have all this stuff but for a while it was about all those things were about promoting me they weren't about helping people. Right. Um, and that's one of the reasons they probably didn't succeed the way I wanted them to was because they were about promoting me. And I didn't realize this when I was doing it. I thought I was generally trying to help people. But but actually what was really happening was that it, well, I was trying to make myself more important so that other people would like me. How do you think uh, you came to that realization? Well, I was talking to my mindset coach one evening and about my frustrations with just not being able to break through and have success with the work that I was doing, the creative work, or not have the success that I wanted to have. Because I had had a lot of success, relative success, but not to the levels that I'd wanted to get to. Um, and I was just, I was having, I have these, I still have these moments where, these evenings where I get really, really low. Like where all the black clouds kind of close in around, around you and where everything's just awful and... You just want to escape. You just want to run away where you want to give up everything. What's the point? You know, so I still have those. I don't have them as much now, but I had, had them a lot um, earlier this year. And I was in one of those kind of moods. And and so she was really, really wise and started to un unpack this for me and explain it to me. And I suddenly had this kind of revelation. I was like, oh, I've made this all about me. Hmm. I had no idea. Everything was about me. And I didn't know I was even doing it. And maybe that's a lot maybe that's one reason that this hasn't that I've found it hard to build friendships and found it hard to have long like have a successful relationship and get married. Maybe that's 
reasons I stuff that I've that I've written hasn't hasn't done as well as I wanted it to. Maybe maybe you know, and suddenly everything it was like everything in my life suddenly made sense because ah, that I, sounds incredibly powerful to come to that realization about your work, about your social life. I mean, it seemed to be a part of everything. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it had. And I, and it wasn't selfishness. It wasn't like I was a selfish narcissist, kind of. He was only interested in himself and boosting his ego and thought he was better than everybody else. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a very passive-aggressive, subtle, subconscious thing, which I didn't even know was going on. You know, I thought, you know, I, thought I was genuinely wanting to help people, because I do want to help people. I, I want to use my gifts to help other people. I want to use my story to help other people. One of the reasons I'm on, I've come on this show is to, you know, is the hope that my story will help other people, mm. will encourage other people, and because we need to know we're not alone, you know. Um, but I think there was still an element of me that was, that was wanting it to be about me secretly, you know. That um, and now that's gone, you know. Can you so, talk um, about any fundamental changes you've made in your work then, so that you are? more focused on serving others rather than yourself? Um, yeah, little things. Um, I've, I've been thinking outward. It's a, it's a shift. Mm. It's like, okay, when I'm writing stuff, it's like, how can I help other people? What is, what's the benefit to, to other people? What, you know, not, this is not, I'm not just doing this to, for, to, to be cathartic and to get stuff out. How can I actually help people? You know, right. so it's that mind shift uh, while you're writing, while you're doing your creative pieces, knowing yeah. that you're trying. Really, really, the uh, impact you're shooting for is to serve others. Yeah, and it's little habits as well. Like when you go on Facebook, like little encouraging things to help other people, encouraging posts to help other people. And I changed the name of my podcast. I took my name off my podcast because I wanted to focus on the topic mm. rather than on me because it had been my, had, it had had my name on it, but I took that off because I, I changed the name because I wanted it to be about something else. Right. Um, and just little things like that. And I've, you know, the new blog I started, um, is, hasn't got my name on it. You know, I mean, I'm running it, but I'm trying to focus on anxious writers rather than on James Prescott, you know, right. um, I still have, I, I still have a website, which is my, which is my name, which is where all my podcast stuff is, where my, where you can get my book, where you can read my blog, you know. But I try to make the emphasis on helping other people and yeah. encouraging other people and like coaching other people. Like, how can I help you? Like, where can I meet your needs? Like, this isn't about boosting my kingdom and making making me rich or famous. This is like, okay, how can I use what I've learned right. to help other people? Like, what is it that I have? that can be beneficial to other people. And I've, and I've got, I mean, I, I write, I wrote a lot and I've got a lot of writing that I've done over the years that I've never put out there. or I've never used in the way that I wanted to use it. And now I'm taking that stuff and trying to figure out a way to make it accessible to other people mm. and helpful to other people. And that doesn't mean that I don't make my, I can't I won't want to make money from my work or I won't charge people for my work or it won't draw attention to me because it might do, but that's not the point. The point is to, encourage and support other people and make them give them a bit of solidarity and yeah. because um i know that i'm not the end i know there's people that have been through a lot worse than me and struggle with mental health much more than i do um and with my limited experience i know that even what that how bad that can be so i want to try and provide something where a space where people can know they're not alone right because that's so so important you know because the number of times i felt so alone without anyone to talk to, anyone to, or any safe space to go to to share what I was going through. Um, and so I wanted to create something, a space, where people could do that. Ah, that's yeah. awesome. Can you, uh, I do know that, you, like you mentioned, you've done a lot of writing, and you've been published, correct? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Do you have a, a particular piece um, that, like, you're in, you're most proud of well i have my first trade book coming out this year um which was called mosaic of grace um that's a book about the idea that 
we're enough and we belong and we're lovable and we're choosable as we are, not for what we do. That you know that our value doesn't come from our work or our relationships or how much money we have or our status or any of that kind of thing. That it comes from who we are, you know. And it's a, I mean, it is a, it is a kind of, I, I don't, I hate to use the word Christian book, but it's, it's, it's a faith-based book, you know. Um, it talks about um, examples from the Bible and examples from my own story, um, and yeah, it's about, it's a book about how grace can take the broken pieces of our lives and put them back together to make something more beautiful than there was before. That so that no one is beyond redemption, that nothing is beyond redemption. That no matter how bad things get, there is still hope. Mm. Um, and that's that, I mean that's something I'm very proud of because it's it's my first book, first trade book, and it's a subject that I'm passionate about. Um, ironically, I wrote it about four years ago, the first draft. Um, so I've moved on a lot. I've, in, in a sense, I've grown a lot since then. Um, and I've experienced a lot of these things I wrote about again since I wrote it. And even my theology has changed a little bit since I wrote the first draft. So that because of more of a reflection of me the last four years rather than who I am now, which is ironic, but it doesn't change the power of the message. I still fundamentally believe in that message of grace, you know, that grace is the beginning of everything. That, And I struggle with this as well. I struggle with grace as well in believing that I'm enough and that I belong and I'm lovable as I am, you know, um, overweight and you know, and um, with all with all my with all the insecurities and issues that I have, mm. um, you know that I'm still valuable and precious and lovable and enough as I am, and that's it's a difficult thing for everyone to accept. It's like one of the most dif- I talk about this in the book actually. It's one of the difficult truths of grace is that it's not just that grace confronts all our mistakes and failures, which we find difficult to acknowledge, but actually it also reminds us. Of, of our value um and we and a lot of us find that difficult to acknowledge as well even those who don't have mental illness find it hard to acknowledge their value um and but that's the scandal of grace is that you know you're enough you you're loved you belong you're beloved as as you are um with all your imperfections um so um and all and like that's really the core of everything of of my approach to life in a way um that because when you believe that, it frees you to create the life and the work um, that you that you're called to to do without fearing failure. Because even if you do fail, your identity, your security wasn't grounded in that in the first place, and you'll grow as a result of it. You know, um, and I've had failures. You know, I've had big failures, mm. um, but I don't regret them because I've learned from them all, and they don't define me. They don't define my value. You know. Do I wish things could have gone better with, with some of these things, with some of these projects that I've done that haven't worked? Yeah, but um, they don't define my value. You know, I am not a failure because these things I did failed. You right, know? and you've grown from yeah. them and learned from them. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, you know, I love your piece about grace and accepting who you are and, and loving yourself and so forth. I'm curious, what about... A person say who just is not a very ethical or moral person is there a piece about being able to recognize that in oneself and making changes and then having grace or would somebody who's unethical immoral still have grace in who they are it's difficult. does that make sense yeah i know what you're saying i mean it, one of the one of the things i talk about in the book is having grace with ourselves like mm. and that can be that can go from um my perspective, which is I did all this stuff, or I'm responsible for all these things that went wrong, therefore I'm not worth anything, and having to be told that you are worth something, to the other side, which is the side you're talking about, where this person doesn't have any morals or values. Um, But, I mean, grace is about confronting the truth. So that truth can be the truth that we're valuable, or it can be the truth that, you know what, you've done some things which are not good. And these things are wrong, and you have to take responsibility for those things. Mm. You know, grace actually challenges you to uh, to confront that stuff and take responsibility for your life. Grace isn't like easy. It's not, you know. I, I mean, we can talk about this in a religious context or a non-religious context. It doesn't. 
you know, if, you, if you're not a, if you're not religious, if you're not a Christian or whatever, it still applies to you if you're if you're not religious because the principle behind grace is that you are enough, and that um, about and about, about confronting the truth of who you are and your value, but also the things that you've done which you regret, which are mm. or which are wrong, and coming and which to terms you, with that. Yeah, exactly. So grace can be taking responsibility for things that you've done mm. wrong, and saying you know this was immoral, this was unethical. I shouldn't have done this, and I will take I will take responsibility for this. You know, grace can be a, um, a murderer saying, turning himself in. You know, it can be like saying, I'm guilty. Um, I should take responsibility for this. I'm turning myself in. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it takes a lot of grace to go through what you went through and to realize, like, whoa, wait a minute, this has all been about me, and I really want to serve others and kind of change the work I'm doing to be certain that I'm. I'm serving others. I yeah. think that's a prime example of grace. Yeah, actually, I'd never thought of it like that, to be honest. Um, but maybe you're right, yeah. Um, yeah, because grace is about owning up to the truth of who you are. Yeah, and absolutely. I had to, I, and I had to own up to the truth that I'd made my life about me too much mm. um, and had to change that. You know, And I'm still working on it. It's not something that you just can turn off and on, you know, because it's how you've trained your brain to be. And so you have to re retrain your brain, you know, right. that's how you, that's ultimately, that's actually a, for me, that's a really helpful way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, it's the, the pure science of it because, um, it's not kind of airy fairy kind of I- ideological ideas, whatever. It's just, this is the actual science of how your brain works. So mm. you can, so if you can retrain your brain, then you can actually change. And there's science which backs that up. You know, um, and that actually has really helped me with my mindset coaching and with my therapy, you know, talking about how that works and doing a bit of reading about how the brain works and um, reading about how actually that our brain predicts our emotions. We don't, and that if we can articulate what we're feeling better, then we can control more how we feel because our emotions are more predictions by our mm. brain about how to respond to things based on our past experience. So if we can articulate things better and have more, have broader, deeper language for what we're feeling rather than more general terminology, then we're able to understand what we're feeling better and deal with it better. Mm. And that's, I'm just a beginner at learning this stuff, you know. Um, but I started to practice this a little bit more, and it's helped. Um, and I think that can be helpful for other people as well. If we understand the science of it, then we can start to take action, you right. know, start to apply it. Yeah. What, um, can you tell us again what the title of your book is? Yeah, it's mosaic of grace. Okay. And that is, um, published already and accessible. Yeah. It's on Amazon. Yeah. You can get it in Kindle. You can get it, uh, print version. Oh, fantastic. Uh, it's got a picture of a red heart on the front kind of broken up a little bit. Okay. And like you said, people can find it on Amazon. Yep. Can um, you, uh, so I know you've done a lot of writing and you talk about uh, coaching as well. Can you tell us a bit about the coaching that you do? Yeah, uh, this, this is, I'm, I'm really just beginning at this. You know, I'm really kind of just launching into this right now. Um, but uh, about two or three years ago, um, a writer friend of mine was wanting some coaching. They were just starting out, you know, starting out there on their journey. And I was, I, I was quite a way ahead of them in terms of where I got to. Um, and we were good friends, and they asked me to coach them. And um, they said they were going to pay me, and I said, I, look, this is, I've never done this before. This is a new experience for me, so you don't have to pay me if you don't want to. Or, so I just did it for free. Um, and But I thought, I, I want to honor what this person has, um, has invited me to do, this responsibility. you know. So I took it very seriously. So I went away and kind of tried to figure out, what can I do? To How can I, what kind of, program can I come up with that, that can help them um, and what I came up with was this um, this kind of this program that um, yeah where it's kind of where we go through uh, 12 or 13 different different things and it begins with the grace thing you're enough mm. and then we go on to kind of your dreams and expectations and um, and actually having realistic ideas of Redefining what success is and having healthy dreams and expectations and that kind of thing. And then looking at your anxiety and your fears and 
and perfectionism and all that kind of thing, um, procrastination, because they're all about those things are all about fear. So um, I go through that with people, and then there's a whole. Then we talk about rhythms of life and self care and Sabbath and meditation and all that kind of thing, um, and then building your team, having a group of people around you who will tell you the truth, whatever happens, and um, and then we get into the into actually building up habits which will help you find your your heart-centered calling and as a writer to help you find your true voice so i did this with i did i went through all this i mean this there's a, there's a lot more to it than that but mm. i went through i went through these things with 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 this friend of mine um and at the start she'd kind of wanted to be a mummy blogger and she had this blog that she was starting up and just wanted some support in starting that up but i kind of pulled back from that and said okay let's actually get behind why you're doing this and what this is really about for you and who you are. And when we began with that, it changed everything for her. And she, in the end, she decided not to go down that route she was going down and go towards a different route, which, which, and it was ironic because when we first talked, she told me about this, that she'd um, trained up as, um, and I can't pronounce the word, a jeweler, I think it is, uh, somebody who helps women have natural births and that kind of thing. Okay. And go through the whole process with them. Yeah, Padula. Yeah, that's right. She told me that she trained as this and she'd never done it. Okay. And she thought, um, and she kind of mentioned it in passing, um, and I picked up on it. <laughs> um, but and we went through the process of of her trying to find her voice and free write and get to the core of what her passion was. And actually, when once we went through that, she realised that actually that's what she wanted to do. That's um, awesome. That's fantastic. So, yeah. So what she did was she started a business doing that and a blog and a Facebook page. And now she's making, she's basically making a living doing that. Oh, and she fantastic. feels more alive than ever before. And it's because, and she's told me it's because of the process that we went through together. Right. Um, and took her from a place where she thought she knew what she was meant to do. to actually what she realized, what she really wanted to do and actually hadn't had the courage to do before. So, um, and that was, that was really encouraging for me. Um, and so I thought, okay, I want to do that. I'd like to do this with more people. Um, but I never really had the opportunity or the money or the time to really get that going. Right. And I'm only just now starting to get that going. And I'm hoping to kind of launch that like in the next month or so, you know, to get a program where I can work either one-to-one -one with people or, or have like this, this audio program which people can just buy and download um, and with some accountability in a Facebook group and other things yeah. um, where they can go through this process and because I want to help other people go through this process because I, I just remember the buzz that I got from seeing this friend of mine find her true calling yeah. and just living it out and being successful and how happy she was and how alive she felt you know and um, you know I just got a buzz from that and I didn't expect to but I did so that's kind of the coaching that I do um, yeah, that sounds phenomenal that's uh you know, you talked about being in service to others, and that's exactly what that coaching is doing. Yeah. And if uh, you want to find out about that coaching, um, I would say email me about it because um, we're still getting all the we're still getting all the stuff finalized on my website about it. So um, the best way to find out about that, if people were interested in that, is to email me, um, which is, I think, james at jamesprescott.co.uk. So um, that's if that's if people were interested you, in that. But, you uh, kind of said that a little quickly, or maybe it was the British accent. Uh, could you share your email with everybody again? Yeah, uh, James at jamesprescott.co.uk. Great. And um, you do have a website up as well, right? And I think you had some yeah. information about the coaching there. Um, there can you share yeah, the, the website with people as well? Yeah, that's jamesprescott.co.uk. And there's a coaching page on the website um, and a way to contact me and everything like that. And, Fantastic. Yeah. I've done some coach training as well and some coaching. And one of the things that we talk about, you did just beautifully. People often come to a coach with what we call the little A, their agenda. And then there's really yeah. a, a deeper big A, right? And you got down yeah. to the big A and really dug yeah. deep with her, which um, opened up doors for her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, for me, like the job of a coach is to see what somebody is capable of, see the bigger picture for somebody. Right. Like have a, you have a couple of conversations with them, like a couple of hours, and you get to know them, and then you 
and you start to perceive things and see things that they're see the bigger picture, see the bigger agenda, the big A. Yeah. And then your job is to then kind of help them discover that because you can't just tell people that this is, oh, this is what you should be doing. Exactly. You have to to let them discover it for themselves because if they discover it, they're going to stick with it. Yeah. If you tell them, they're not going to believe in it. They, they, people need to discover things for themselves. And I've learned that myself in my own, in my own life. People have told me things, you know, and it's only, and it's only when I've gone through this process that I've been through the last 18 months that I've started to understand what they were saying. I was like, Oh, that's what you meant. Right. I get it. You know, because I discovered it for myself and all of us on our own journeys. We can't like people can't people, people can tell you things and it can be even close friends telling you things. But ultimately, um, real change comes when we find these things out for ourselves and then we can take action to change them, you know? Um, so that's fantastic. I think you're going to have a a fantastic future with your uh, coaching. Um, another piece, uh, you know, I, saw on your website was you do podcasting as well right yep yeah i've done a podcast for about two years can you Um, share with us more about um your podcast yeah my podcast is about the intersections between spirituality creativity and identity so um and uh it's now called poema which is um which you spell poem and then put an a on the end Uh, and that is a word from scripture which which is when Paul talks about us being uh, God's workmanship. So it's about it's a word about our lives being works of art. It's a word about um, identity. It's a word about creativity um, and calling. And I thought these are the things that I'm really passionate about. So um, I'm, this is what I'm going to call my podcast. So um, well, that's that's what it is. And um, what I've been doing the last couple of years is interviewing a lot of authors and speakers and um, I've, I've spoken to um, philosophers and neuroscientists and um, spiritual leaders and um, all sorts of people. Um, but it's all about the journey of identity and um, spirituality and creating our lives and all of that kind of thing. I've spoken to people like uh, Rob Bell, um, uh, Peter Rollins, I've had on Sarah Bessie. Um, Nishra Seth, um, um, I've had a lot of people, I'm trying to keep count of all these people I've had on, uh, Garhad Gunga on there, um, but I've had loads of different people on, um, and we've just had these conversations about these topics, and um, yeah, and I've, I've, there's also a few solo episodes as well, reflections by myself. Um, so it's a and, bit of a mix, some, some yeah, on your own, and, and yeah. many it sounds like with various guests. Yeah, and we're on a break at the moment for the summer. In September time, we're going to be starting up again. I don't know when this is going out, but September 2017, we'll be starting up again with some new guests. But we're also doing a – I also want to do a series this, this autumn, uh, this fall, um, to do with um, questions of faith. So I had – because I had this, this whole period I've been going through therapy and spiritual direction – um, has been a spiritual journey as much as it's been a personal journey and questions have come up in that time and I thought why don't I go through these questions and have instead of having just guests on interviewing them how about I have guests on and we talk about these questions so um, that's what I want to do that's what I'll be doing a lot in the autumn um, I'll still be having other guests on as normal I've got a few guests lined up um, um, but I'll be do but we'll also be doing this series as well and that'll be that's going to be kind of like season two. <laughs> yeah, right. um, so I kind of had a break because I, I had a lot of other things I needed to both focus on in the summer, and I just needed a break from it as well, so I could come back to it with some fresh creative energy and fresh motivation. So I've um, been on a break, and it'll be coming back in the autumn. Yeah, oh, I love it. Yeah, what's your favorite part about podcasting? I love getting to talk to people, and. Some really, I've talked to some really interesting people, some really wise people, people much, much wiser than me, uh, people with really powerful stories, uh, people with stories of depression and, um, and alcoholism, and, um, but also people who've got a lot of wisdom and insight into things that are going on in the world um, and insight into our spiritual journeys. And yeah, and I, I've just, I've learned so much from, 
doing these interviews, you know, more than I could ever have learned otherwise. And I've been just so uh, privileged to speak to some amazing people um, and be able to connect with them and in some cases become friends with them. So it's, um, it's just a real joy to do it, you know. Um, and to get to share that with other people as well is just a, is a real bonus too. So, And so your podcast people can get to through your website as well? Yeah, that's there's a, on my pod, on my website. There's a um, there's a there's a there's a menu at the top. When you go there, there's it says podcast, and there's right. all my podcasts. There's about a hundred of them. Wow! Now. So, um, and I changed because I changed the name um, in like this, uh, January. Um, um, it was James Talks before, and now it's called Poema. Okay. So uh, the Poema, and I, when I started is started as poema i started the numbers from naught again so there's about 70 episodes of james talks and then another 20 or 30 of uh the poema one so um so there's about 100 there um that's fantastic I, yeah so it's, it's really exciting and uh yeah so you know one thing we touched on just briefly that i'd like to bring up again you talked about and we kind of brushed over this but you talked about a couple of ways that you stay mentally healthy today can you share those with uh, with the listeners? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, it's a few practical things, and I'm still, you know, I still struggle to to practice these every day. I'm still training myself to practice them every day. But things that I do, um, meditation. So um, I literally set a timer on my phone and just breathe slowly and deeply from my stomach for about five or ten minutes. Um, or I do a guided meditation, which you, there's this free app I got on my phone, which does a whole load of guided meditations, and you can just play them. Um, and it just and get, and you wouldn't believe the power of getting oxygen through your body. Mm. Um, it just it really relaxes you and centers you. Um, so that's one thing that's really helped. Um, going for walks as well, getting out of the getting out of the house, getting out of my head. Mm. If I'm having a really bad night, bad evening. Um, whatever. One thing I do is go out and go for a walk because that uses a different part of your brain um, to the other to the part that when you're sitting at home just reflecting and you know ruminating and all that kind of thing. Which um, and so it can kind of and it gets rid of a lot of that nervous energy, you know. Um, so that's another thing that I that I do. Go to the gym as well mm. helps. Um, I don't do that enough, but I need. To, do that more um and um and i'm part of some facebook groups where i can go and share um people that that are going through similar things or people who i trust so i go to those groups or i message those people um and they're there to support me and i have my mindset coach as well who is on hand a lot of the time and i can just message them i can say anything to them and they basically feed back and give me, you know, um, support and encouragement and practical help. I mean, I'm not, I, know, I know not everyone can afford that, you know. Um, but um, if you can afford it, it's a really good thing to have. Um, um, and having, I mean, having a spiritual director slash therapist as well, who I sit with about twice a month and reflects a lot of stuff back at me and helps me discover this stuff for myself, that's really helpful as well. But those aren't practices as, as such, but um, the practices I would say are meditation, um, going for a walk, getting exercise, um, writing as well is quite therapeutic. I'd say if you know if you're really down, as long as you're not ruminating when you're writing, because that's a danger when you start writing, is that you end up ruminating and it makes it worse. But if you can focus on just getting stuff out and I just think- write. For- that I mean, I found that really cathartic. Yeah. Um, and and you know, you don't have to show it to anybody. You know, right. I have this private blog which I don't share with anybody. Um, and or, or I just open the document on my computer and just write it without editing. No, you know, don't even think about what you're writing. Just get out what's inside, and then just you can either save it or just delete it. You know, but those things can be quite can be quite helpful. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you did mention how writing. Actually, if you begin ruminating, can be unhelpful um, because I talk a lot and I've talked on this show before about my journaling and how much I think journaling helps work through depression 
and um, somebody, I think it was my brother, did share with me an article about how the writing could be dangerous. And I think the point was exactly what you said. If you're going to start ruminating, it is not helpful. Um, but I, I journaled each, and each night, I know I've shared this before, but I ended every night in my journal with today in order to work towards my recovery, I, and I put um, bullet points. And sometimes it might've been, I got out of bed today, or I read a book to my kid um, during mm. the most challenging days. Um, but I wanted to acknowledge that I was working towards it as little as it was and as little as it seemed. I needed to prove to myself, really, that I was yeah. working at it. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think free writing with a prompt, like exactly, is basically what you what you just said. Like mm. today I will, today I forgot what you, forgot what you said. Yeah, but, I, in order to work towards recovery, I. Yeah, exactly. That's a prompt. So yeah. then you can, if you free write from that prompt, then it's all going to be, connected with that right and also if you kind of are a bit self-aware and know when you know when you're getting into ruminating and know when to stop mm -hmm. um i find it easier not to ruminate when i'm writing for myself so if i'm messaging my mindset coach with this stuff i tend to get into ruminating a lot more because i'm wanting them to hear my cries for help right you right. know so i see it as an excuse or my brain can see it as an excuse or i can just ruminate whereas if i'm just writing for myself um, and I have a prompt to kind of focus my my mind, and I've taken a little bit of a deep breath before I do it, mm. you know, just stop myself, stop ruminating, stop thinking before I do it, and just write almost without thinking, in a sense, then it's a lot healthier. Um, yeah, exactly. So it, it, writing is a really, really therapeutic, helpful thing, as long as it's, as long as you manage it well, you know. Yep. Um, and and not for everybody to do this, but I think the work you are doing around serving others um, is hugely, for me, therapeutic. You know, you're you're doing your right. writing, you're doing your podcast, and and it's helping others. And you talked about how you've changed the focus so that it's not all about you, but serving others. And uh, for me, that has certainly been a therapeutic piece. Well, that's encouraging. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's good to hear. Actually, it's. Yeah, it is. Um, it's strange because my my the book. Uh, well, I know I've had, I've had, I've had I've had other books which have not done that well, you mm. know. And but the feedback I've got from people who have read it, um, who have who have read those things, um, meant the world to me because I know that it had a huge impact on them. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, you know, it's not really about the numbers that for someone who's a who's a writer or a creative person who's trying to launch themselves. What I always say to people is like, it's not about how many people read it. It's about the fact that you made that your work has value because you made it. Mm -hmm. And if even one person gets impacted by it and you get positive feedback from them, that makes it all worthwhile, you know. Um, because there's this myth that goes around with some, 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 um, platform building coaches or whatever, um, who kind of allude to the idea that your work doesn't have value unless it has an impact on lots of people. Um, and that's not true. <laughs> um, and I actually said to people like your work will have an impact on somebody because it will have an impact on you when you make it. Exactly. Uh, and if it only has an impact on you, it's still worth it. You know? Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well worth it. So um, that's something I do when I'm coaching people as well is remind them of that, you know, yeah. that, um, um, and that's something I've tried, tried, I've tried to remember when I've been getting feedback on work that hasn't been successful and like, well, hasn't been successful in terms of numbers, you know, um, but has been successful in that I've had feedback from people who you've uh, impacted, who I've impacted. And yeah. it's like, well, the feeling I get from that is like, well, that's great. That's Absolutely. positive. You know, so I get a big positive, a lot of positive energy from just from that one person who's given me that feedback, you know, yeah. and it was worthwhile just because of that. So, Absolutely. yeah. So, um, I'm wondering as we begin to wrap up, do you have any, uh, final tips, suggestions, advice, words of hope for listeners? I, I would say first, the only way out is through. You say can't more avoid about that. Um, the only, this is, the, the, you can't, if you've got a lot of 
insecurities, fears, anxieties. If you if you struggle with mental illness, you can't deal with those things by avoiding them. Uh, you can't deal with stuff from your past by avoiding it or trying to go around it or just trying to deal with the symptoms. You need to actually go through it. You know, for me, um, I had to things had to get worse before they got better mm. because I'd kind of dealt with all the symptoms. So I was kind of doing okay on the surface, um, but there was all this stuff underneath that hadn't been dealt with. Right. And so to deal with, and that was always going to be there and affecting my life unless I dealt with it. And it was always going to hold me back until I dealt with it. So I had to go into a darker place, um, which meant me putting on weight and becoming a bit more depressed than I had been um, and getting lower and having dark days because I was confronting all this stuff and I was actually dealing with it. And I've come out, I'm coming out the other side now. Right. You know, I forgave, I confronted all this stuff and I forgave those people. And I, I, I confronted the stuff within myself that I hadn't even known existed or hadn't acknowledged. And doing that, I got real healing, like long-term healing. And I was mm. able to start dealing with the symptoms of that and the habits and the and the rhythms that it had left behind. And I could actually start dealing with those things and changing those things, knowing that I wasn't just going to go back again because the core things that were causing them were aren't there anymore. You know, that you know, to because I've started to deal with them. So you have to the only way out is through. Right. Uh, oh, I'm that's fantastic. No, I don't want I also want to be conscious that there's people probably listening who've got depression clinical depression and i don't want to hear me saying it's going to get worse before it gets better so um i'm not one to give advice to people who've got clinical depression because i haven't had clinical depression but i'm saying people who people with anxiety people with who have low moods hmm. people with like mild depression that a lot of us have um people who've got issues from their past that are unresolved um they need to work those through yeah. and it may mean it may mean things get worse for a time, but if you stick with it, if you get the right support, if you get therapy, counseling, um, if you get mindset coaching, if you have people around you who will support you and you commit to the process, yeah. then and keep going, you will get through. Right. You will. It's and challenging, right, to, to face up to the challenges you've had and to actually take them on head on and work through them. It's, I understand exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's not an easy process, right? But like you said, you get to the root of the problem and you actually work through it. And you're not just simply addressing the surface um, symptoms like you had been doing in the past, as mm. you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Great advice. And I would say as well, like, I think one of the things in our culture is that one of the, that concerns me is that a lot of people think that they just have to deal with the symptoms and they think that seeing, and that there's this deception that's dealing with the symptoms is dealing with the problem mm. and it's not, right. um, we need to deal with the actual problem, but many of us don't want to go there because it's too painful. Mm. Um, and although we might get some degree of change and transformation through dealing with the symptoms, the only real long term lasting deep change comes from actually confronting the stuff that's inside of you confront, in a sense, confronting the truth of who you are, you know, which goes back to the grace thing. But so the only way out is through. Yeah. But once you get, but once you get through, then you're through. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, James. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I really um, respect and admire the work you are doing uh, to help others with uh, your writing, your coaching, your podcasting. So uh, hopefully uh, more and more people will continue to reach out to you and benefit from your support. Thank you so much. It's been such a, such a privilege to come on here and uh, share this stuff. And I really do hope it's helpful for some people. I'm sure it um, will be. And uh, just for writers as well, who, uh, or create people who have anxiety about their work, there's a, there's a blog uh, called Anxious Writers where we talk about a lot of this stuff. Me and other people who've gone through this stuff talk about it. And there's also a Facebook community that I'm just I've just started, um, where you, which is a safe space to be vulnerable and to share the struggles that you have. So if people 
listening feel that they want to be part of that and want that safe space, they can go to that. So can they just, uh, on Facebook, do they just search for a group then and under Anxious Writers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, and obviously people can connect with my, you know, my coaching and my, um, they, they can connect with my, my, my blog and my podcast on my website, which is jamesprescott.co.uk. And they can email me james at jamesprescott.co.uk. Or I'm on social media as well. Um, Instagram and and Twitter at James Prescott 77. Um, so if you want coaching and all that kind of thing, you can connect with me all those kind of ways. But um, you can also connect with my coaching through the Anxious Writers stuff as well. So I go to anxiouswriters.com or uh, and, in, and the Facebook group as well. Um, that the Facebook is the really important thing for me in terms of providing community and support mm. to people. So um, yeah. Fantastic. So listeners, reach out to James. Uh, lots of ways that he's offering support. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time, uh, James. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Stay healthy. Thank you for listening to The Depression Files. Please know that if you are currently suffering from depression and are experiencing thoughts of suicide, please reach out for help. In the United States, you can text to 741741 to connect with a trained crisis counselor, or you can go to suicide.org for a list of international suicide hotlines. If you're a man who has experienced depression and would like to be interviewed for the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at AlLevin18. Thank you again for listening to The Depression Files.